Welcome, everybody, to I don't even know what number we're on in terms of classes for to judge or not to judge. But anyway, uh, we're on about page 59 in the book, so we're getting there. Um, want to start with today's lesson, lesson 292 on page 444, lesson 292, page 444, happy outcome to all things is a done deal is sure is already there a happy outcome to all things is sure all righty susie you want to read that one we'll get quiet for a little bit please okay <clears throat> god's promises make no exceptions and he guarantees that only joy can be the final outcome found for everything Yet, it is up to us when this is reached, how long we let an alien will appear to be opposing his. And while we think this will is real, we will not find the end he has appointed as the outcome of all the problems we perceive, all the trials we see, and every situation that we meet. Yet is the ending certain, for God's will is done in earth and heaven. We will seek and we will find according to his will, which guarantees that our will is done. We thank you, Father, for your guarantee of only happy outcomes in the end. Help us not interfere and so delay the happy endings you have promised us for every problem that we can perceive, for every trial we think we still must meet. Thanks, Susie. We'll get quiet for a little bit. And gently, gently come back. Anybody have any comments about that lesson or anything that stood out in particular or didn't feel right or any of that stuff? <laughs> I was thinking there were a couple of things that jumped out at me. Um, we will, how long will we let an alien will appear to be opposing God's will? So the, you know, the alien will is always this. <laughs> it's me believing on this and all these, all these trials. Every trial I think I must meet. 
that Tim must meet, that a separated self must meet. And then, um, and, and how there's a happy outcome to all that stuff already. It's already there. It's already done. And then, uh, what was the, oh yeah. And then the ha happy outcome for every problem that we think we still perceive, every trial we think we still must meet. Which is pretty much the way I go through my day. I got all kinds of things I got to do. <laughs> but if, if, I, if I attach significance to them and I attach, I make my peace of mind um, contingent on whether those things are accomplished or not, then I'm certainly, it's my alien will compared to God's will that's trying to make all that stuff happen and then base my own salvation, my own sense of well-being on that on those things being accomplished. Pretty much 99% of all things we're gonna do today won't change a whole lot. However, <laughs> however, um, it really uh, it really does matter whether I do it with my ego or I do those things with the Holy Spirit, whether I'm at peace or I'm, I'm gonna be crazed about getting them done or not. So yeah, that's uh, just a little take on lesson 292, today's lesson. A happy outcome to all things is sure. Sally? So uh, what process do you use, Tim, as you uh, change your mind about the attachment to the outcome? Or Well, usually if I think there's a problem, there's a face behind the problem. So then I have to do the forgiveness work on that particular person, that face. Could be me. Most of the time it's somebody else. <laughs> But I mean, the gist of it is the way to realize the, the happy outcome is already done is to walk through the three steps of forgiveness, not try to convince myself that there is a happy outcome. First thing I try to do is maybe I'm not upset for the reason I think first step of forgiveness. Second step of forgiveness, maybe I could see peace in you and me instead of what I'm seeing, because what I'm seeing certainly doesn't feel very peaceful. Ask for Jesus's help with both those steps. And then the third step is when we realize everything's already okay, and that's a happy outcome to everything anyway. <laughs> it's like, like, oh, yeah, this, this is just a dream, and this is just an illusion. I don't have to convince myself of that. I'm pretty much experiencing it once I get to that third step of forgiveness, once I let go of blaming you and I let go of blaming me. How's that sound, Sally? Yeah, so the so the realization uh, that this you, you go through that and okay it's a dream so uh, drop it. Uh, yeah, but we don't start off saying it's a dream. No, I know. At least, at least I I don't. <laughs> process first, and then so it's a dream. So you know, let give it up. <laughs> let it because the giving up is what the ego doesn't want to do. It keeps latching on to, you know, this is a big problem, kiddo, you know. Thanks, Tim. Yeah. So in a sense, the first dream is, you know, I think I'm upset for the reason I think. And I don't think that's a dream. I don't think that's an illusion. I'm sure I'm upset for the reason I think. If I was had any kind of inkling that was probably all made up, I might be, be letting it go right away. But if I'm upset already, it already means I'm invested in making that dream real and making my peace of mind contingent on whether that dream works or not and then who's in the way of keeping me from having my my satisfaction my day of peace 
who am I pointing the finger at? Jesus helped me see them not as the problem. Yeah, thanks. Sharon, have you been with us before? I think once before, yes. Thank oh, yeah. You. And you came back. You're brave. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like I like what I'm hearing. It's always good. It's good. Well, good. Oh, I might have to go. Sorry. Uh -oh. Okay. Well, welcome back for a few seconds. <laughs> okay. Anybody else? Anything? All right. Let's jump right into Ken's thing. We're in to judge or not to judge. That is the question. To judge or not to judge. Ken's, Ken's a, not really a little book. <laughs> it's one of the transcript series recently out within the last year or so. I'm on page 59 in Ken's book. Uh, first paragraph at this at the top that starts, uh, I'm going to start like da 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 from reading from page 587, but which he doesn't do. Jane? I'm sorry. This is the little addendum I was thinking about of the, of the lesson, and that is that a happy outcome doesn't mean out there. It's not coming from out there, and we have to remember, and one has to remember just like a happy dream. Doesn't make that out there happy. <laughs> it all stays in the mind. So I think that's where one can get disillusioned thinking, I'm going to have, it's all going to be happy now. It's all going to be, and it's going to be the out, and the out there gets, becomes predominant again. And that, that's not what this is talking about at all. It's a hot, happy outcome of remaining in your right mind and awakening. And awakening. Thank you. Yeah, good point. Thanks, Jane. Last night, we had a, a pretty rousing discussion of <laughs> dreaming and dreams and bringing Jesus into the dream to fix things. And what is a happy dream anyway? Well, the dream's happy when you realize you're dreaming. And because at that point, you, you realize there's nothing in this. It's like having a lucid dream at night where nothing's freaking you out because you know you're just dreaming. Whatever happens in the dream is not a big deal if you know it, you're dreaming. But to get there, going back to Sally's question, we have to walk through that process of forgiveness to get there in the first place. Yeah. And then the happy outcome is, then the happy dream is, I realize it's a dream. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> Take It pulls the rug out of, out of all kinds of craziness when we get there. But we start with where we think we're at. We certainly don't think it's a dream. We got to at least start somewhere. <laughs> Thanks, Jay. Good point. Alrighty. Paragraph at the top. I'm going to start reading from page 587. Stephen, you want to read a couple of paragraphs, please? Certainly. Oh. <laughs> what page I, you on? Page 59. Page 59. First full paragraph on page 59. I am going to start. Eventually. <laughs> I'm going to start reading from page. Uh, this is uh, Ken talking, right? I'm going to start reading from page 587. But before I do that, I'm going to just comment briefly on the third paragraph on page 586. The title of this section is called The Hero of the Dream. The Hero is the Body. Previous section is called 
the dreamer of the dream. And both of these sections really form a unit. The point of all of this is, is to have us recognize that we are the dreamer. Our mind is the dreamer and our world outside is the dream. The dreamer is the cause of what is perceived outside as the dream, not the other way around. The ego would have us believe the dream is dreaming us. Thus, the dream, the world, the bodies outside, which again include my own body, is the cause. The effect is that I am feeling upset. I am feeling sad. I am feeling happy. My well-being, my sense of peace, my sense of love is dependent upon what the world does or does not do for me. The dream is dreaming me. The point of these two sections is to have us recognize that we are the dreamer of the world of dreams that is outside of us. I cannot change the dream, but I can change the mind of the dreamer, which is me. The Course says earlier, therefore, seek not to change the world, but choose to change your mind about the world. Hmm. Um, I guess all I have to say about, about this is uh, thought of God is all there is. The mind is all there is. So where do we go from that? Thank you. And thus, of course, of miracles, right? <laughs> thus, we start trying to figure it out. <laughs> Thanks, Stephen. Vicki? Well, um, like this, this is so clear about what the Course is. And forgiveness is an illusion to forgive dreams. So like, I think that I'm in the dreamer mind, like a lot of the day. And when something happens in the world in front of my face that bothers me, I am surprised. Like there's some kind of, I don't know. I'm just not expecting it. So I just feel like I'm dreaming a dream is one of the first things I think of all the time. Not to take it so seriously until I do respond seriously. I don't know. Forgiveness is to forgive dreams, not sins. There's no sin. I don't know where that's going either. <laughs> so, so once again, we have to kind of um, redefine forgiveness from Jesus's point of view. It's it's not uh, letting go of the sin. It's letting go of believing there was a sin. It's not letting go of uh, the world so much, but it's let, letting go of believing the world is real. There, it seems subtle, but it's not subtle. And if we if we're surprised in a dream at any given point, it means I think I think it means it's certainly for me that I've gone back to believing it's not a dream. Otherwise, why would I be shocked? My dreams at night are crazy. <laughs> I never know what's going to happen. Even when in a lucid dream, I don't know what's going to happen next. But I mean, if you know you're dreaming, if you have if you know, like your awareness is this is a dream, and I'm lucidly aware of that, then. I mean, really, there's not a lot that's going to push your buttons. Even if you die, you can't die. There's one life and it's eternal. That's Lynn's new thing. There is one life and it's actually Muji said it. There's one life and it's eternal. You can't die. 
<laughs> there is no death. <laughs> and if you and if you're dream, you know you're dreaming, and somebody dies, you know you don't go around well saying, well, they didn't really die. But I mean, <laughs> you kind of know it. It's not going to freak you out. Yeah. So if you're surprised at all, I think it's just like we've gone back. At least for me, it's when I go back to ego and I'm taking it all seriously, seriously again, and I really don't know it's a dream. But, yeah, thanks. Anybody else on that? Betsy. I have a question. When it says, I cannot change the dream, what does what does that mean exactly? I, I get I can change the mind of the dreamer as far as how I see things in the dream. But when it says, I cannot change the dream, is it? because it's basically a rerun of uh, you know that it's happened and one way of looking at it is i can't change the dream because it's a dream i mean i could change the dream quote unquote but it's still going to be a dream you know what i'm saying i could switch this dream to this dream but the content of dreaming is still going to be the same he couldn't mean it that way he probably does but also it means, I don't know about you, but when I have, I'm having a lucid dream at night and I realize I'm dreaming, I can't change that dream either. I've tried to change it, but things, crazy things still keep happening. I just know I'm dreaming. So, I mean, it's a lot like this in this world. We don't have a whole lot of power over whatever's going down because we already set it up a long time ago to believe that we're actually victims and victimizers. So we, that's the scenario. That's why the world was made. We can't change that. We can just stop being invested in believing it's real. But I, I think it's more got to do with I can't change the dream because I can't change the content of dreaming. A dream is a dream is a dream. Okay. Truth doesn't contain dreams. Okay. So, yeah. Thanks. But whatever way works, just sit with that one. <laughs> Thanks, Bessie. Go ahead, Jane. Well, if you if we try to change the dream, it means we think it's real. Otherwise, we wouldn't try to change it. Um, and that's what that's why people get confused with the happy dream is because they think, oh, I can I can change my mind into a happy dream. No, what we can do is we can make the choice for the right teacher, and then it does it, the awakening starts to appear, and we realize, yes, we are dreaming. But our main purpose is to awaken from that dream. And the only way we can do that is to be with the Holy Spirit. Thank you. So, uh, I mean, you kind of know it's a dream when you stop being, when we when we stop, when I stop being so invested in whatever the outcome is. I, it's not dry, you know, I'm not so like, <gasps> oh my God, this is better go the way it better go or I'm going to be crazy. I mean, well, you know, it's like, we can't convince ourselves right off the bat that it's a dream. I mean, most people would probably lock us up if we went around saying that out loud, especially on a street corner. But um, eventually, I mean, that's where that's where Muji gets, that's where Jesus gets, that's where Ken gets, that's where we get in any holy instant. Is that's the place we get to. Thanks, Jane. Somebody, Sally, was that you waving? Somebody was waving. So the dream is a script. So say that again. The dream is a script. Oh, yeah, that's good, too. But it's a made-up script. 
but all dreams are scripts that are made up. <laughs> so the content of all dreams, the content of all scripts is that there's a hero of the dream. In this case, Jesus is calling it the body, but the, the script writer is the dreamer of the dream, is the script writer of the dream. That That's the real me. That's the decision maker choosing to write a script for a body that's all made up, a script that's all made up, and a separated self that's all made up. So it's a pretty dumb script, <laughs> just to begin with. I mean, you know, the, the fight going on now between the, the, the script writers in Hollywood and, and the producers and et cetera. Man, <laughs> we wrote some serious scripts to believe we're actually here and get ourselves to believe it. <laughs> and we didn't get paid for it. All we got paid with was hell, <laughs> pain, terror. <laughs> what a price we're paying. Oh, my God. <laughs> we we need to up our salary here. <laughs> Write a better script. Go ahead, Bruce. You know, that not changing the dream idea. It occurs to me, you know, the Course uses the, the phrase tiny mat idea, which is sort of like the equivalent, a metaphysical equivalent of what physics calls the Big Bang. And I was thinking like, well, we made up an idea of separation. There's just one thing. But because our minds are so powerful, we used that capacity to imagine separate things. And what better example of that is to imagine an unimaginably vast collection of atoms, like a, a giant billiard ball game. And then the cue ball hits and off they go. And we've identified with one one billiard ball out of gazillions and gazillions. And and so we, we think, oh, now I'm at the mercy of all these other gazillions of billiard balls. And and so, you know, the script is written and on the, on the level of form, you know, there's some, you know, the Newtonian model kind of kind of makes sense. But then there's the quantum stuff. And but but regardless, it's like we're still, no matter how you slice or dice that dream. Is that gazillions <laughs> it, it's where we're you know the dream is that we have an excuse to feel victimized and feel unfairly treated if if we believe the the dream story that the ego tells us that propaganda but you know it's all made up so it was doesn't it, really it doesn't really matter that that we seem to be at the mercy of of the dream if the dream is made up it's still a dream yeah. was it at the end of men in black when they pull away from the earth i mean they've done all that alien versus FBI, whatever the men in black were, mm -hmm. and they pull away from the earth, then they pull away from the universe, and then suddenly it's a giant cue ball in a in a, in a billiard game that aliens are playing. Yeah, I, yes, they did a similar thing with that. The, the, a galaxy was inside, like a little pendant on the on a, around the cat's neck, kind of thing. You know, <laughs> yeah, that was, that was kind of fun one too. Was that Men in Black too? I, I think that was a different Men in Black episode. Yeah. But it's anyway. it's it's such a colossal dream and 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 um you know but we just need to look at all the other billiard balls that we're fighting against and not skip steps, right? And yeah. take that through the forgiveness process. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate that. And who did that painting behind you? Oh, uh, my wife Nancy. Oh, nice. Very yeah. nice. Wow. Sally, did you know that? Nancy did that? I thought it might have been your work. <laughs> That's pretty no, nice. I didn't know it was beautiful. Yeah, good job. All right. All right. Let's read on. Let's see. Kathy, you want to read some? A couple of paragraphs, maybe? 
No, you don't want to read. <laughs> you can't read. I can't. I can't read. I I can read out of the the big book, but I can't read out of um All right. the little book. Okay, because because you don't have a little book so far. Is that correct? <laughs> I'm such a, a sleuth. Um, <laughs> do you have any comments? <laughs> any questions? Uh, not really. No. All right. Okay. Ready, Betsy? Thanks, Ken. You want to read? What? <laughs> yes. Yeah, sure. Thanks. Let us return the dream he gave away unto the dreamer. In other words, that we have perceived the dream as separate from us. And now let's return the problem back to the mind where it is. Who perceives the dream as separate from himself and done to him? So it's let us return the dream he gave away unto the dreamer who perceives the dream as separate from himself and done to him. Okay. That is the idea that the dreamer is the innocent victim of what the dream has done to him. In reality, it's the other way around that it is the dreamer that has victimized or has caused what the dream is. Is that good? You want to comment on that one? <laughs> well, it's kind of what we were saying earlier and it's just, um, I, get tired of feeling victimized but then like i apparently i'm i'm not because i continue to do it so that's kind of annoying and then and there i go again <laughs> <laughs> oh that's good i like that boom 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 <laughs> dominoes and there i go again <laughs> so you can imagine if you went to a literal puppet show and you you knew like the guy was high on something and he actually believed he was one of the puppets in the play. And he's he's the puppet master. He's the one directing the puppet. He's the puppeteer. And he's directing this puppet. But he actually believes he's that puppet. And then he has all these other puppets doing stuff to him. I mean, that's how crazy this gets. I mean, you would know he was crazy. Like, obviously, he's not the puppet. Obviously, he's a, he believes he's the puppet. And because of that, he's being victimized by all these other puppets that he's running the show on also yeah that'd be you you would probably i don't know if you might might stay and just watch to see how psychotic somebody could be <laughs> go ahead bruce we all believe we're john malkovich oh, 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 oh i remember <laughs> that scene <laughs> yeah very good all righty jane you want to read some please Oh, you're on mute, Jane. Don't be on mute. This is the big one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I realized. Into eternity where all is one, there crept a tiny mad idea at which the Son of God remembered not to laugh. That is what we have already been talking about in the instant 
that one judgment seemed to arise, that one perception of differences seemed to arise. The problem was we took it seriously instead of looking at it and laughing and saying, isn't that, is, isn't it silly? Isn't it absurd? Isn't it preposterous that a part of God could actually separate from him and declare itself as God? The thing is just silly. What we did, in fact, is to say that it is very serious. This is awful. And I must now defend myself against that thought of guilt and the terrifying thought that God is going to punish me. That is what is going to talk. That is what is going to talk about. That's what it is going to talk about. <laughs> Shall I go on or not? <laughs> no, that's that's <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> it's just all, you know, it's just the, the son of God deciding to be an ego. I mean, coming into the ego, that's all it is. And it's not true because there is no ego. However, we did believe it because we wanted to be autonomous. The thought came in that we needed to be autonomous, that we wanted to do our own thing, so to speak. It's called narcissism, basically, but we don't use that word in the course. <laughs> um, and, ever, and everything turned wild from there because the ego thought system thought that we'd change our minds and go back. And so that's when the dreams had to come in of sin, guilt, and fear, so that hopefully we would not return. And once we made that decision, the Holy Spirit went out, of, was gone. It wasn't gone, but we didn't remember the Holy Spirit anymore. So it's really not hard. It's hard to believe that we made this up for sure. It really is. But the power of the mind comes through when you, when you think that. You realize how powerful the mind is. If we believe we could make up this, you know what? Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, Shane. Uh, I was thinking that one, the two things that Ken would always stress why we took all this mess in here, all this, all this stuff that we were dreaming in here, and we didn't want to admit that this was even a dream. And then we project this dream on this dream, and, and hell no, we're not going to call this a dream at all. There were two reasons to do that. Um, one was to forget we had a mind where all this stuff was kind of matrix central, where this was being generated from. This was being generated from this. And the other one was forget that, uh, that we had a choice, that we there's a way out. And, and so, I mean, that was the big purpose for not remembering we had a mind where all this was happening. We forget we we were responsible for the dream, and we also forget we could have chose something else. The other thing was we took this chaos, all this craziness, all this sin, guilt, and fear that we were already feeling. We got to blame on all all the other puppets in the show. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not the dreamer. I'm the. I'm a, just a little puppet victim in this puppet show. And look what all these puppets are doing to me. No wonder I feel crazy. But we're doing that, you know, it's always being generated from here, identifying with this, forgetting it's this, and then projecting it onto this. Boom, boom, boom. Kind of like Betsy's boom, boom, boom. There I go again. <laughs> there I go again. I think there's a song with that line in it. There I go again. <laughs> yeah. All right. All righty. Let's read on.
couple more. Chris Jansen, you ready? Yeah, there you go again. Where's our music person? Oh, my gosh. Somebody knows that song. Lisa. Okay. Anyway, it is a song, Tim. I think it's There I Go Again, not There You Go Again. Is it There yeah. You Go there I go. There I go again. Yes. It's like <laughs> Helen Reddy or somebody like that. All right. In his forgetting, in other words, in the son of God's forgetting to take this as a joke, forgetting to laugh. So in his forgetting, did the thought become a serious idea and possible of both accomplishment and real effects? The accomplishment is what we call sin. I actually have accomplished this tiny mad idea of being separate. The effects of the thought of sin is the world that is perceived outside of us. And then Jesus says, together we can laugh them both away. Meaning joining with them. Because remember, it, he's the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. In that original instant, we chose to separate from the Holy Spirit's laughter, which was simply saying, isn't this silly? We choose to separate from that, making it serious. Then within the dream, within the world of form, Jesus, certainly for us in the Western world, became the one who manifested the Holy Spirit's atonement principle. He says to us from the cross, isn't this silly to believe that the love of God can be affected by a silly nail that is driven into a body that is not even there? Nothing is happening. When he asks us to join with him, it is the same thing as asking us to join with the Holy Spirit. He's asking us to join with the presence and that thought of love in our mind that has us look at everything in this world and smile at it, which we will see on the next page. So he says again, now he keeps running things in together. Want me to do one more? Uh, no. Keep, okay. <laughs> well, that's pretty, uh, um, it kind of gets down to it when he's talking about himself on the cross and how silly it is, you know, putting nails in my hands to think that's going to change reality. You can't kill me. I'm not, I'm not even here. Um, actually, I still remember a song in the Presbyterian church we used to sing, and it was, uh, uh, you can't kill me, I'm already dead. And I don't know how the rest of it goes, but it's kind of, this to me, it's kind of like the same idea. You, I'm not, I mean, we're, our spiritual, our spirit is not dead, but we're dead to the ego. And now I don't think us good Presbyterians would have interpreted it that way. I don't know, but I, I we want to join that church. Christ, I, I like that. I, I want to yeah. join that church. <laughs> I've never heard that song. You, <laughs> you can't, can't kill, kill me. I'm already. I'm already dead. Maybe it was the maybe it's when I was going to the Methodist church, but I think it was. Uh, we're going to have to look it up. You sure it wasn't the Church of the Devil or something? <laughs> <laughs> the Danic Church. <laughs> Did you we check only went to church on Halloween, so maybe that's what it was. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but that's kind of it's got a nice little jingle. It makes you feel like 
death is nothing. I mean, the death of the body, and uh, I'm dead to that. But you, uh, think, you remember the jingle? Can you sing it? I, that you know, as in all popular songs and all songs that I know, if I know the first line, I'm lucky, and but after that, I got nothing. So you can't kill me. I'm already dead. Da -da 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 I'm going to put that into uh, Google and see what happens. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> it's probably a vampire song or something. Oh, God. <laughs> oh. I don't know. what Now I've lost the line that reminded me of all that. But anyway, there it is. Well, it's the Pieta that... Uh, has anybody ever seen the Pieta? I guess not many of us, but I mean, it really is amazing. It's very life-size, and I saw it at the World's Fair way back when I was a kid. You walk in, and there's, whew, it's just a trip. And here's Mother Mary holding the broken, dead body of her son, Jesus. And probably it was, I don't know if uh, Helen saw it at the World's Fair, because I think that's where I saw it, at the World's Fair in New York. But, but when Helen saw it, she heard Mother Mary say something like, paraphrasing, this means nothing. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's it's intense too, boy. I mean, it's just the look on Mother Mary's face holding her dead son. It's really intense. And this means nothing. This being the crucifixion. Yeah. And and this body can't, I mean, it's not who we yeah. are. And Mother yeah. Mary is not a body who can grieve her son. This means nothing. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's wild. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Sally? Yeah, well, it's a uh, Michelangelo. It's in Rome at the Vatican. The original, anyhow, is. But yeah, it, it's, it, it, it is uh, powerful to, to look at. You can't help but just, you know, be in awe of the, of the masterful sculptor that put that together um, and then, you know, brought it, brought it into the creation, you know. But... Um, there, you know, proving again that, you know, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. <laughs> I don't know how New York City ever got Rome to let it. I mean, they actually shipped it over. God, can you imagine that? <laughs> oh, yeah. They had it for a while at the World's Fair. Yeah. And where that term, um, there you go again, was Regan uh, in an interview uh, in a uh, uh, he was who was running against someone. I can't remember. Maybe it was Jimmy Carter. There you go again. That's Walter Mondale. Oh. It was a debate, and it was Walter Mondale. Oh. Walter Mondale. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's where I heard it. I didn't know it was a song. <laughs> he made it a song. All right. Very good. Thanks, Ellie. Thanks, Stephen Jane. What I think is interesting about the is Michelangelo, because basically he did not believe in a lot of the doctrines and dogma of the Catholic Church, but he had to be underground with it. And he did have an underground group, and you probably all know that. But I think it's interesting because he projected out what he what he really believed rather than what the Catholic Church was trying to convince everyone of. Mm. Thanks. Wild stories. Wild scripts. <laughs> Thanks, Jane. All right. Let's read on. Vicki, you ready? 
You're supposed to say ha 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 after that first sentence. Well, first, I was going to say, yes, sir, I am ready. <laughs> <laughs> then I got to figure out which paragraph. <laughs> Together, we can. Well, I guess I wasn't as ready as I thought. <laughs> <laughs> Together, we can. I like that. I, I, I get that. Okay. You could have said bold print. That would have helped. Together, we can laugh them both away. Meaning joining with... Uh, no, that's the wrong bold print. <laughs> <laughs> the one on the next page at the top. <laughs> you should hear how I judge people that are not ready when you ask them. <laughs> it's terrible. Okay. Together, we can laugh them both away. And what the both is, is the thought of sin that has been accomplished and the thought of sin that is made manifest in the world, the so-called real effects. And understand that time cannot intrude upon eternity. It is a joke to think that time can come to circumvent eternity, which means there is no time. It is simply a joke to believe that the tiny mad idea has any power over God. In an image that Jesus uses earlier that he borrowed from Peter Sellers, he talks about the egos being a tiny mouse that roars at the universe. That is all the ego is. It is not a raging lion that is roaring, which is an image that you can find in Peter's second letter in the New Testament, where he talks about the devil that way. The ego is not this raging lion. It is a frightened little mouse that roars at the universe. And if you just try to hold a picture of that, then you realize how ludicrous everything is. And stop there. Okay. <laughs> so I wonder when the mouse that roared came out. I wonder if it came out during the time Helen was taking this down. I mean, if Jesus was really being contemporary with his reference. Or Ken was just using that as a metaphor. Now I got to look it up. <laughs> I think Lise is looking it up. <laughs> anyway, are you familiar with the movie, Vicky? Um, maybe a long time ago. It's not something I've looked up recently, and it was a. You know, as you I get think it was, wasn't it the little country in the middle of nowhere in Europe, and they decided yeah. they were going to fight the United States because the United States would always give them all this money after they won the war. <laughs> the mouse that roared. <laughs> yeah. It came out in 1959. Oh, really? That long ago? Perfect so, reference. Yeah. Well, we, well, we. Any, any, any comments, Vic? Well, yeah, not about that. But, <laughs> I mean, this is this is a great line here. It's a joke to think that time can come to circumvent eternity. When I'm like getting ready to, I have an appointment or something, and I remember there is no time. I can calm down. Instead of being all jiggity, getting ready, I gotta do this, gotta do that, get him in the car, go. Um, I like that. I like that reference. I like together we can laugh them both away. I hope that if I have a tombstone, which I really don't care, um, I hope that they write on it, she died laughing, because I think that's the perfect way to go. And the other thing I liked earlier we read, in his forgetting, all we've done is forgotten. Like it's so minimal we just forgot um all of this good stuff and eternity and uh, i'm happy to be studying with you people tonight thank you all right very good thanks Vic.
Uh, I don't know what I was going to say. <laughs> I forgot where I was at in my head. Peter Sellers, probably. <laughs> yeah, right. Maybe. Mm. <laughs> anyway, well, while I'm you're looking for where we are, Tim, I just want to put a little... Uh, I don't know if we're allowed to compliment people, but I'm always amazed how focused you can stay through a whole hour and a half. Sometimes you drag it out to two hours, but uh, it's amazing. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, no, I'm I'm amazed. Everybody, I think uh, uh, everybody has better uh, ability to focus than I do. I'm I'm getting better at it, but I'm just uh, uh, grateful and and. Uh, I don't hold you in awe, partly because the courses don't look at other people uh, in awe. Only God is worthy of awe. But I'm I'm amazed. <laughs> ah. <laughs> well, I'm amazed at how much fun you have when you're interacting with people in a Walmart. <laughs> that just blows me away. <laughs> I couldn't even get Chris out of the Walmart. We're on our way to this giant music festival, and he's in there talking to everybody, <laughs> having the best time, <laughs> and they won't let him leave. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, thanks, Chris. <laughs> All right, let's continue. Now turn to page 587. Where are we? Lisa, you want to read? Please. It is not easy to perceive the jest when all around you do your eyes behold its heavy consequences, but without their trifling cause. What is important about this is Jesus recognizing that within this world, within the illusion, it is extremely difficult to look at all the heavy consequences of sin, all the things that go on, and realize that they are simply silly. Because it is true, when you cut off the effect from the cause, and you only look at the effect, which is this world, then there is no question terrible things happen here. It is only when you put the effect, the world, it is only when you put the effect, the world, in its proper perspective and context as being simply the consequence of the tiny mad idea of being separate from God, at that point, everything then becomes silly. Should I go on or stop? One more, please. But when you believe you are a body and you believe that you are surrounded by bodies, then when a body dies or is brutally raped or killed or burned or gassed, then that is something that is not silly. That becomes very real and becomes very tragic. Within the illusion, within the world of effects, separated from the cause in the mind, the world does seem very real and very painful. Again, it is not easy to perceive the jest, to see how silly all of this is when all that you can see is only what is outside of you. And I was thinking, like, us as core students, we have to be cognizant of the fact that when we're talking to other people that are not core students, we have to be kind because they're not seeing this. 
the way we are. They're, I mean, they really are suffering. They really are thinking they suffer. They're, that's what they think they're experiencing. So, you know, I don't, we can't just laugh, <laughs> you know, right? So that's the line that we have to kind of walk between because, I mean, there are times when I honestly do think what's happening is silly. And yet, if I were to laugh at it, in front of certain people, I would be, I would be insane to them. Yeah, this is when you have to like be in a Shakespeare play and turn to the audience and and make your own little <laughs> side cracks like the way they do. <laughs> in yeah. The <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, good thing none of this is real, but you can't say that to the poor person that's stuck. No, so. if the person just been raped, I mean, what am I gonna? I, I'm gonna laugh at them? No. no. <laughs> They think that really happened. And yeah. and honestly, I may believe it as, to some degree too, because I'm not completely taking this thing as a jest yet. And once again, how do we deal with it? Well, we, we start, we go back to the first step in forgiveness. Whoever mm -hmm. victimized and raped the girl, am I willing to see them the way Jesus sees them? Am I willing to see the girl or boy, whatever, the way Jesus sees them? Am I willing to see myself the way Jesus sees them? Or do I want to just keep hanging on to this pain and misery and believe it's coming from the way I perceive that situation? What if I'm not upset because I think this was a very brutal, violent thing? What if that's not why I'm feeling? I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm feeling the pain, too. What if that's not why I'm feeling the pain? So that's where we start. We don't deny it. Hell no, don't deny it. Don't deny the pain, especially the pain we're feeling. <laughs> yeah, about it. Right. Very good. Thanks, Lisa. But then, all, but then also, when you do see it as humorous, if you're talking to somebody that doesn't, you still can't laugh. I mean, it yeah. wouldn't be kind, right? So... Yeah. Yep. Yep. And yep. I held up the healing power of kindness because I'm just now starting to read it, but it addresses that whole issue uh, about, you know, not don't do a course of miracles speak when somebody's in pain. That's not obviously not a course student. You probably wouldn't even do it to a course student because, uh, well, one thing, they probably know what you're doing, but and the other, it's not always helpful. It might be, you know, I think the trick would be always ask Holy Spirit for help. So uh, I, I was kind of writing all these thoughts down about kindness and what it means to be kind and how do we how do we get to a place where we're actually being genuinely kind in a situation like that or any situation. And so it, most of us would agree on a, a good Holy Spirit day that it's not very kind to hold and nurture grievances about anybody, even the rapist in that case. So I could at least begin with, well, yeah, it'd be nice to be kind, but I don't really want to be kind. It's not it's not so much we just leap. It's kind of like the third step of forgiveness, I think, to be truly, honestly kind in a very respectful way. That's not um, derisive, especially in that situation, any situation. Um, we have to go through the first two steps of forgiveness. 
we have to realize how unkind we are in any given moment ab about any of the characters in that drama. In this case, probably mostly the rapist. I'd have to look at how much I'm reacting to the rapist, like he's causing pain inside of me because of what he did or didn't do. So help me look beyond that and see where the pain's really coming from. Me, <laughs> me choosing to push Jesus away. In a sense, you know, you can always make this pretty literal about Jesus, whatever it is. I raped Jesus. I stole innocence from Jesus, and now I'm off and running on my own. That's what I think I did. That's pretty bad if that's what I think I did. I don't, you know, like it takes a while to get back and realize that's what we think. And then ask for help from Jesus once again. The way I let go of blaming the racist or the rapist for the way I was feeling. Now am I willing to blame, let go of blaming myself for believing I actually raped Jesus? I stole innocence from him. And then finally, you know, he doesn't go anywhere. Then kindness just kind of overwhelms us. He's being kind to us. We're being kind back to him. He didn't go anywhere. I can be kind to everybody. So, yeah. Yep, 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 yep. All right, Jane. I think, though, in that kindness that we have to be honest that honesty really plays a big part in that because a lot of people will act kind and they don't they don't feel kind and i think that that's just for us to look in and realize that seeing those things or reacting to those things it's a condition of our mind so we have to forgive ourselves we have to forgive ourselves that we have that conditioning in our mind <clears throat> that the rapist is terrible and poor victim, because that's the whole structure of the course, victim versus vic victimizer. And um, being kind just to make people think you're kind doesn't serve a purpose at all. And it's so obvious, too. <laughs> it's really, you know, like putting a bright red nose on your face when you act kind, when you're really, truly not feeling kind. Better just not to say anything at all. At least that's what I feel. But anyway. Thanks. Yeah, I always got from Ken, well, if you can't decide what to do right now, at least try to be kind. I mean, and then work it out later with you and Jesus. You know, at least try to be kind, whatever you think that might look like in this moment. And then, uh, oh, what was the other thing I was just thinking? I don't know. It's gone again. <laughs> don't come back. All righty. Susie, you want, thanks, Jane. You want to read some? Please. Okay. <clears throat> Let's see, where are we at, Tim? <laughs> End of course. Page 62 in the middle. Oh, oh, there you go. Okay, thanks. And of course, then we make a judgment. That is why we are told over and over again that we cannot judge. I judge what goes on outside of me, and I say, this is good, and this is bad. I say, here's a certain person who's a real evil person or a criminal and vicious and sinful. And here's someone who's a saint. I judge what is outside as if there was something outside of me. And, if, and as if there are things outside of me that are different one from another. And that is only because I have forgotten what I am perceiving outside is coming from 
what I first perceived and made real within me. When I go back within my mind and I look at what is inside and I say, yes, the reason I see everything is so terrible outside is because I first made everything terrible inside, but there is nothing terrible inside. Then I go back outside <laughs> and I look and I smile. Did you follow all that, Susan? So I feel like it's a revolving door. <laughs> you know, I no, I, I did follow it. I do get it. Um, you know, it's just having the presence of mind in the middle of the turmoil to stop. Now, somewhere in chapter nine, I was reading it today, and I was trying to find it, but it says something to like, whenever you're dealing with this whole ego thing and everything, go back to the beginning. And I realized the beginning is. Like before, right before I even wanted to entertain this tiny mad idea, you know, go back there, you know, and then when you can, when you can be in that place where you realize, you know, and it's a very special place. It doesn't happen very often, but you go, okay, honestly, none of this is real. It really is just a dream. But when you can get in that place. Then you really can smile on, you know, the the thing that was stealing your peace in the moment. And, you know, it's like being in the presence of mind to, to go there when the temptation comes to just see everything as, you know, believable and real. But, yeah, I mean... Yeah, I mean, thank God Jesus is telling me, yeah, it's okay to think this way. You're not going crazy. None of it is real. Thank God, because, I mean, that's what the whole course is. You're not crazy, Susie. None of this is real. But, uh, but, but you know, it's like walking that, walking in that truth here in the dream. I've never had one of those dreams, Tim, like you said. What do you call it, where you know it's a dream? um Not, think, uh, lucid, lucid dreaming yeah I, I've, I've never had that i sure wish i've had because i i sometimes get played with nightmares i sure wish i could go stop and go oh wait none of this is real i wish i could do that but since i can't seem to do it in my sleeping dreams i'm i'm, I'm trying to be able to do it in my waking dream right thanks all right thanks Susie. um I uh, I need to go back to what I was thinking <laughs> when I was when Jane was talking. So this this face of kindness is what Jesus waits thirty chapters before he talks about the face of innocence. That self concept that I can very dishonestly at least act kind, even if in my, in my head I'm not being kind at all. It's a terrible section. It, it, it's but he waited thirty chapters to even lay that that whole face of innocence thing, that face of kindness. It's really kindness to destroy. It's like, yeah, I'll be nice to you and everything, but you don't want to even want to know what I'm thinking about you in my head. <laughs> it ain't good <laughs> at all. And uh, so, yeah, kindness to Jesus is not big on kindness to destroy. But however, if you're in doubt in any given moment, be kind and then go back and work it out with him later about whether it was kindness to destroy or not. 
I mean, at least try to be nice. <laughs> it's not a bad thing. But, you know, be respectful, too. So, and, uh, yeah, so, yeah. And in terms of all that, yeah, so just, I mean, this really is dark in here. And, and when we get back, you know, it's not a fun place to hang out. <laughs> so you don't want to stay there very long. You definitely want a little bit of help to get through this over to here and looking back at it outside of outside of this 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 place will swallow you up and it's pretty dark i mean it's it's like every every image in every movie you ever saw where people are descending into hell or into the bowels of, of darkness <laughs> that's this <laughs> not a fun place however it, it isn't real either and only jesus can tell us that if we're willing to hear it if we're open to hearing it so yeah thanks so a uh, yeah. quick comment on my part is when you're there where nobody wants to be in the mind, when uh, to me, I'm just kind of understanding what the text says when you get above the battlefield, that's when you want to go above the battlefield uh, or really what it's talking about is getting in and uh, back to the decision maker. So you can look at that without, uh, uh, let's see what the cleaned up version of this is, <laughs> without uh, having a cow. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I think, because I, I, to me, initially, when I talked to, uh, thought about being above the battlefield, I thought about being uh, above it all. And it's it's not being above it all. It's not like, okay, I'm above it. I'm, I'm way past people being blown up by bombs. That doesn't bother me a bit. It's going back in the mind and looking at, you know, the potential within me to... Um, blow up relationships, blow up people, you know, blow up my unity. And, uh, but to do that, I've got to get back in my right, right mind or back to the, the altar. I think it refers to the right mind as the altar also. So anyway, that's just a much more uh, helpful and probably a realistic way of looking at being above the battleground than, than, than my previous way of thinking, well, you can't hurt me. Everything you say bounces off me and sticks to you. <laughs> so uh, as you were talking, Chris, I was thinking, going back to something Jane said, this darkness seems pretty real. And, it, and when we're in the middle of it, it's hard to even begin to admit the possibility. It's not while I'm feeling bad. Maybe this darkness and every, everything's happened in the war in Hamas and their politics and, and climate fires and floods and this and that maybe that's not what's really pushing my buttons this is pretty bad darkness but this darkness is even way worse that's why we ran to this darkness this darkness we thought we could handle a little bit <laughs> this darkness is horrific i mean it's way worse than any darkness out here this is this is total collapse of everything holy <laughs> so it's yeah it's rough spot and as much as it was hard to let go of this when we get back here, that seems so real to us, that darkness, that we really need to some way, shape, or form ask for help, grab Jesus' hand to take us out of it because we believe it's real. As much and worse than we ever thought this was real. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. Jane? Um, above the battleground, too, means you don't go above the battleground by yourself. You go holding Jesus' hand. Because that's what he's trying to show you isn't real. 
And you can't just go up above the battleground and look at it yourself. It's not going to work. <laughs> it's not going to work. Yeah, he's, he's very specifically says, please hold my hand when, when you're doing that. And you're absolutely right, the, the uh, Tim, with the darkness, because in the second dream, we are mi totally mindless, which isn't a truth either, because, you know, sources do not leave, or thoughts do not leave their source. And so, but we don't know that. <laughs> we think they do, but you're absolutely right. I mean, that's the darkest dark because we don't even know that we have hidden that sin, guilt, and fear, which isn't real to begin with. We may, or the ego made that up for us to convince us we killed God. And we had to get out of the way because we wanted to blame it on somebody else because we didn't want God coming down and talking to us about it. <laughs> <laughs> we wanted God to come down so we could say, uh-uh, it's his fault, not mine. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Jane. Our, uh, I wanted to check in before I ask Stephen. Our, our non-video participants, Sakina, you were there. You got anything you want to comment on or ask or anything like that? Come in, Sakina. Ground control to Major Tim. <laughs> No, I'm just listening. Thank you, Tim. Oh, okay. Just wanted to say hi. Thanks, Akina. Julie, Julie, are you there? Are you listening? Oh, my God. Look, they're paying attention. Julie, say something. Oh, I can't. Oh, what did you? <laughs> Am I breaking up or something? Did you say something or are you talking? I'm talking to you, Tim. <laughs> well, so tell me something. Tell me something holy or good. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> tell me. Ask, ask, tell me. Ask me. <laughs> We're talking over each other, Tim. I know. Ask, ask me next start. week, okay? You will? Ask me next week. Oh, what was I asking you, though? To tell you something holy. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, tell me something unholy. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you want to hear it right now. <laughs> <laughs> Leave it alone. <laughs> yeah, leave me alone. It's not my <laughs> finest moment, but I wanted to be with you guys, and um, I appreciate you. All right. We're glad, glad you're here. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Rosemary? Two out of three ain't bad. Come in, Rosemary. <laughs> hi. hi, Rosemary. Hi, yeah, hi. Got anything you want to comment on? <laughs> um, no, I'm just really, really enjoying this uh, meeting. It's really, really helpful. I just <laughs> had surgery a couple of weeks ago, so I'm just kind of recovering here. Thank you, though. Thank you, Tim. Sure. Happy recovery. Glad to have you. All right. You too, Julie, even though you wouldn't tell me anything holy. <laughs> Thanks, Rosemary. Thanks, Julie. Thanks, Akina. All right, Stephen, you're up. It's okay to be in the darkness. That's where we are. This is hell. Says it 150 times in there. Uh, every once in a while when I've been talking here recently, I've been thinking, well, I don't want to bring anybody down. We're already down. We're, we're asleep. 
we're not even here. We're just characters in a dream. The Course says very clearly, the further we get into the darkness, the closer we get to the light. Happy learner starts out with, if you're going to be a happy learner, you have to look at the misery. We have to look at the hate because it's there. We have to look at the sin, guilt, and fear that we feel every day. I don't know about y'all, but I fear one, I feel one, well, it's all the same thing. It's always fear. I feel that every day. Uh, and, and I've been working at this a long time, and I really want to be okay, and I really want to get to the real world. And um, I, I really want to feel better. And I, I really want to, I really want to help. And I really, you know, what, what makes it so clear? He says the helpers, uh, uh, the, the, the helpers of the world are the scourge of the universe. It's not about what we think it is. This is not a course in the positive. This is about a course. This is a course about removing the negative. Um, I'm not saying that to, to, uh, um, to, to emphasize the, the negative. I'm saying, saying that this place is horrible. It has always been this way. I think it was 50 or 60,000 years ago. The humans killed off the Neanderthals so they could take over their area. Uh, I don't know, seven or eight, 10,000 years ago, the barbarians, which was a group of humans, that killed off as many humans as they could wherever they go. Look at the Crusades. In, in, the, in the 13th and 14th century, 60% of the human population died. In World War II, 60 million people died. This is not a nice place. It's not going to get any better. But there is hope outside of time and space. There's no hope here. I mean, look around. In the last, just look at the last uh, year or two. Antarctica is melting. <laughs> Earthquakes everywhere. All the religious wars. Uh, the Irish hate the uh, the Protestants hate the Catholics in Ireland. Uh, you know the Muslims uh, hate the Jews. Uh, in Myanmar, there's genocide happening. Guess who's doing part of it? The Buddhists. When I read that, I went, "What the heck? This is not a nice place." And and sorry to uh, to bring this in, but when I listen to Wapnick, I hear this on a regular basis. He is such a wonderful and kind man. He says it in such a way that is matter of fact, but he brings it in every CD set. And Jesus brings it throughout this course. And I bring it whenever I think that we're getting a little to, to, to that point where we're forgetting that we're in the darkness, because that's where we are. I'm sorry, I really am. But have you lost a loved one? Have you lost a child? Were you in that neighborhood recently when a man cut off a woman's head because she left him? I'm talking about American suburban neighborhood. Uh, two days ago, a man, a 67 year old man stabbed a child and killed the child because the child was Muslim. That child didn't even know it was Muslim. I'm emphasizing everything like this because I want to be okay and I want to be in the real world and I want to feel better and I'm working hard at it and I like to smile. But there's a, there's a line we, we read a few minutes ago that says, get that thought where everything you say, you can smile at it. When's the last time that happened to you? I mean, <laughs> okay, I'm done. Thank you. Appreciate it. I agree. 
I agree with everything you said, Stephen. That's and which to, to me drives home the point of why you, when you go above the battlefield, you go holding Jesus's hand, because you couldn't do look at that uh, child being killed by yourself and think that wasn't uh, a heinous crime. Above the battleground, you can do that at any moment. The course says very clear. Uh, the holy instant is this instant and any instant you choose it to be. Uh, you can do that at any time. Uh, holy instant is just, just practicing for the real world. Uh, the only purpose, uh, that section says that there is an edge to the real world. I've been there. I've been, I've been walking around on a cloud. We all have. Uh, you know, there's, there's some beautiful things here. I mean, look at the aurora. You know, look at, look at standing in a hospital with a newborn in your arms. That's your baby. Uh, you know, ego made the uh, son of God that chose this autonomy, son of God that likes being separate, made this in such a way that we're still here. And, and in every moment, son of God is remembering not to laugh. Lisa said it a few minutes ago. We have, we have to remember not to laugh in, cert in certain situations where everything is so dark, you can't laugh. You know, I mean, look at the guy, look at the guy who's, uh, who, who's, who's, uh, look at the hitman uh, who's about to take some guy out. And the guy he's taken out makes a joke. The hitman can't laugh because his job is not to. That happens every day all over the place. I have one of those almost every day because I'm looking to smile. I'm looking to, I'm looking to bring it. I'm looking to, 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 to be as, as nice as I can be. This is a dark place and we have to realize it. Look at the hate and then look at the love. I love y'all. Thanks. Thanks for listening. I've been thinking about maybe going off camera for the whole class for a while. I think, I think I'm going to do that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you can run, but you can't hide. <laughs> All right, let's read on. Let's see. I've lost track. Susie, did you finish? Uh, was that like an hour ago that you finished that little part? <laughs> Bottom of 62, I think. I was going to say, I've forgotten everything since <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's see. David Delaplane, you want to read the bold print at the bottom of page 62, please? <clears throat> there you go. Okay. Without the cause, Dritz's effects seem serious and sad indeed. When you split the cause from the effect, then the effects do seem serious and sad and with very, very heavy consequences. But when you join up the effect with the cause, then you realize the cause itself is trifling. That is a tiny mad idea. Sin really only seems to be a roaring lion. Sin only seems to be a solid wall of granite that we cannot get through. It is only, uh, there's only when we really look at the sin, what sin is, we realize it is a silly, 
little mouse that believes it can destroy the universe, or that it is just a tiny wisp of black smoke, or a little series of feathers that just blow away aimlessly in the wind. It is not a solid wall of granite. But if you don't look at it, and I take what the ego has told me as truth, then I feel sin as a raging lion, and it is a solid wall of granite, and it will never change. It will never change within me, and it will never change without me in terms of you. But when I do look at it, which is the way it is so important to simply be able to look at the ego, I realize it is not a big deal. What I judge to be so terrible outside, when I put it in its proper perspective, it is a simple effect of the cause. And the cause is silly. Then the effect must be silly too. That is how I learned to laugh at it all. Yeah, like uh, like Stephen is saying, it's really hard to look at all this stuff and, and laugh at it. And uh, but, but it's important to see the cause and the effect. And uh, the cause is the projection of our own mind uh, to try to uh, get rid of our own guilt. We project it on other people. And uh, that's what's happening throughout the world. People are constantly seeing others as separate from themselves and projecting it out on them and creating all this apparent chaos. But uh, when we realize that uh, it comes from within us and uh, that uh, we can uh, we can see all of this through forgiveness, uh, we can uh, look at it, smile at it, and laugh at it because we let it go because it's not really a real. Yep. <laughs> That's the way. <laughs> That's good. Thanks, David. Uh, anybody else on that? Are you playing with your hair, Sally? Are you raising your hand? Or... <laughs> Sally, you want to read the next one? Oh, you're on mute, Sally. a peek at the course on my computer looking at responsibility for sight and um so so i'm responsible for what i see i choose the feelings i experience and i decide upon the goal i would achieve and everything that seems to happen to me i ask for and receive as i have asked so it's up to me i mean Stephen's right, the world is god awful dark. But I am responsible for seeing light in there somewhere. And I know the light is there because this course tells us that it's there in, in everyone, whether they expose it or know it or not. So I was I was just kind of thinking of that as Stephen was talking and he brings up a really good important point you know we can't uh, we cannot we cannot say this world this gorgeous world you know uh, because it, it's nasty 
but then we have our own response to that nastiness. Am I wrong? <laughs> oh, yeah. We certainly don't want to be accused of being blissinities. I don't know about you, but that oh, would be like a curse. <laughs> I, I, I've been one before. I know. I know what. It, I, I, I know many wonderful blissinities. Uh, but, <laughs> so I, I know that that. I know that 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 is. A, but still, we have to trust, as the as the manual tells us, that. Um, we will get through this. I mean, the world is not real, but there there still is is light there somewhere. I mean, if you, I, I have to believe that, that, that there is light. Well, I know there is, so I don't have to believe it. I know that there is. Anyway, that was just something that kind of, you know, um, ideas leave not their source, right? It, it comes back to that. Uh, so that thing you're reading, you well, you you probably don't know what page it's on in there. Yeah, I've well, it's in, yeah, it's, it's in. Um, I can tell you where it is. It's in uh, chapter twenty-one, section two, the responsibility for sight. Uh, twenty-one, chapter twenty-one, right. section two, the responsibility for sight. And, uh, you know, that's a tough. Uh, that's a tough section, and you don't want to turn to that when you first open the book. <laughs> no. I understand that, but but you know, as as we go along with this course, uh, you know, I'm responsible for for how I see the. I I'm not responsible for the disaster out there, but I'm responsible for how I see it, as I understand it. Meaning how I react to it. That's how what I react to it. Yeah. That's the, that's what he means by at that point. For what right. I see is how I react to it. How I, am. I react to it, yeah. And if I'm reacting to it like that's really dark, it's because internally I'm reacting to my own darkness. I don't want to look at that, and I'm projecting it on the dark out there. Mm -hmm. so that, you know, it is dark out there, but it's just a reflection of the dark in me. Otherwise, if it's not real, then why am I freaking out? It's the dark in the. It's the darkness of the ego. Yeah, the dark that, that I, I think I, I like Jane was saying. I killed God. I killed heaven. I killed my own true innocent identity. I'm the one that killed innocence. Right. So I mean that's pretty dark, but that's not true either. So I mean, and once again, those are the the two steps of forgiveness. It's not the darkness out there because that's not why I'm upset. And if I look at why I'm really upset, the darkness in me that's not real either. If I'm doing it with Jesus, right? Like we've been saying all night. The tough part is remembering that, you know, because we get, we get, the world is is there to distract us from, from the truth, you know. And you know, I think we we tend to remember it more when we realize everything we've done hasn't really alleviated much darkness in the world, or in myself. <laughs> so I mean, there's got to be another way. Of approaching this, which is how the course manifested in the first place. So. Right. So, so now you want to read another paragraph? Yeah. So where do you? Is it? But but if I don't look at it and take what yet, they, but they but follow. Yet, yet but they. I think. Yeah. 
Okay. Yet but they but follow. This is from uh, text 27. Oh yeah, I guess he's on, he's on page 587 now. Yet but they but follow uh, the effects that follow the cause. And it is their cause that follows nothing and it is but a jest. The cause follows nothing because sin does not exist. The belief in our sinfulness, the belief in guilt, is the cause of this world. But sin itself has no cause because it doesn't exist. We have never separated from God. That is what the atonement principle is. We have never separated from God and therefore sin itself, if it has no cause, is not an effect. It doesn't exist. And therefore, obviously, it can't cause anything else. The whole thing is made up. As they say, it is all done with smoke and mirrors. That is what the ego has done with the world. The whole thing is done with smoke and mirrors. <laughs> there's nothing here. It just looks as if there's something here. Well, what are you going to say about that? <laughs> now that we know that that awful darkness is there, you know, uh, or seems to be there, well, we don't have to believe it. So, and the way to... Not that I can do that, but I try. <laughs> the way to, no, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> the way to get through the first step is not to deny the darkness is there. Right. It's deny that maybe the reason I think I'm upset has nothing to do with the darkness out here. It's the what separation, if, the atonement. What if, what if something else is going on inside of me that's making me feel this bad? Mm -hmm. I don't have to deny this. Right. That won't happen until, I mean, not, I don't have to like believe this isn't real. That That's third step of forgiveness when I realize it's all a dream. Yeah. But I start with, I might not be upset for the reason I think. <laughs> it's always that. It's a, That's where we always go back to. If I'm afraid, I go back to that. If I'm upset, I go back to that. If I, I'm depressed, I go back to that. If I'm bored, I go back to that. What if I'm not bored for the reason I think? What if I'm not afraid for the reason I think? We start with where we think we are, and we don't deny what we're feeling. Right. It's really the motivation back. I mean... If I'm feeling this bad, I, I want a way out of it. And if this is a possible way out of it, I might want to check it out. For sure. Yeah, why not? I think that's what we're all doing here is checking it out. <laughs> Before we check out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> we can't check out even if we wanted to. You can't kill me because I'm already dead. <laughs> Somehow that that's right. We were never born. I forget. I forget that. Do you want me to go on, or are you? No, no, no. I'm I'm so burned out at this point. You ready to wrap up? <laughs> yeah, let's go to lesson two ninety three. That's a nice lesson. All these lessons in here are nice. This is a day of stillness and peace. A happy outcome to all things. Sure, tomorrow's lesson. All fear is past, and only love is here. Boy, do I sound like a bliss in or what? <laughs> you do, you do. I think go back to square one. <laughs> uh, 
All right. Well, well, Sally, didn't you start out with a meditation? You want to end with this one? Oh, you're on mute again. <laughs> I'm trying to shut myself up because I talk. I feel like I've been talking too much. What what lesson am I supposed to read? Oh, where is lesson? Tomorrow's lesson, lesson two ninety three on page four four five, lesson two ninety three. Okay. Yeah, that sounds nice, don't it? All fear is past. Only love is here. <laughs> yeah, I'll say. All right. <laughs> Ah, all fear is past and only love is here. All fear is past because its source is gone and all its thoughts gone with it. Love remains the only present state whose source is here forever and forever. Can the world seem bright and clear and safe and welcoming? With all my past mistakes oppressing it, showing me distorted forms of fear. Yet in the present love, yet in the present love is obvious and its effects apparent. All the world shines in reflection of its holy light and I perceive a world forgiven at last. Father, let not your holy world escape my sight today, nor let my ears be deaf to all the hymns of gratitude the world is singing underneath the sounds of fear. There is a real world which the present holds safe from all past mistakes. And I would see only this world before my eyes today. Let's try that. We'll get quiet for a few moments. And gently, gently, gently sleep, sleep in peace tonight. Not in the other stuff. <laughs> the war is over. Turn around and read Vicky's sign. The war is over. <laughs> the darkness is over. <laughs> in your mind. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's not real. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Tim. And everybody else. Thanks, everyone. Thanks putting up with me. <laughs> no. It's okay. Lisa, Lisa, it's nice to have you back. <laughs> 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 <laughs>